Welcome to this episode of Law Girl. I'm Jasmine Dea coming to you from my personal injury law firm, JD & Co., located in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Joining me is Joey Salmingo. Joey attended at the Toronto Film School for post-production for film and George Brown College for their renowned chef training program. Joey is from Toronto, but was living in Los Angeles and Vancouver as a television presenter and host before returning back to Toronto when his sister suddenly passed away in August 2018 due to a food allergy. Joey then founded the FATE Initiative, also known as the Food Allergy Training and Education Initiative, together with his mother, a working nurse of over 40 years. The purpose of the organization is to educate the public on the severity of food-based allergies and life-saving tactics. Joey, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Jasmine. With your background, I feel as though you should be the one conducting the interview. <laughs> uh, I was watching you on the red carpet at the 88th Academy Awards with E! Entertainment, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, hopefully I do well enough to interview you. Nah, no judgments. <laughs> <laughs> um, my intention of inviting you over was to discuss the FATE initiative and food allergies primarily due to mislabeled or unclear labels. Mm -hmm. First, let's talk about your sister, Joanna. Sure. What food-related allergies did she have? Uh, my sister... Uh, since the age of three, was diagnosed with uh, several food allergies: uh, peanuts, uh, tree nuts, and that includes, you know, almonds, cashews, pecans, all types of nuts, um, including all seafood. That includes finfish and shellfish, uh, as well as mollusks, as well. Um, and then she had, uh, I would call them typical allergies of uh, cat dander, dust mites. Uh, stuff like that, but the uh, real serious ones that would trigger uh, anaphylaxis were the foodborne allergies. And do you have any of these allergies? I'm not allergic to anything. I was blessed be with being able to eat anything that I wanted. So she was 30 when she passed away mm -hmm. due to a food allergy. As an adult, had she experienced any allergic reactions to any foods that she was allergic to? Yeah, after she passed away and it became sort of uh, a conversation between my mom and I and my dad even. Um, she, she had never suffered a serious allergic reaction, nothing as, as full-blown as anaphylaxis. Um, but my mom had mentioned that, you know, over the years, um, she she reacted to a couple of things you know you know the cross-contamination of knives because we still had peanut butter in the house my dad you know has to have his peanuts and his beer um every night at six o'clock while watching the game type thing but we're, we're still very uh, cognizant and careful um but again nothing as serious as full-blown anaphylaxis the the day that she had reacted to her um to her allergies seriously was ultimately her first reaction and her last and what happened? What had she consumed that caused this to happen? So my sister had uh, had this sort of infatuation with Japanese culture. She like took Japanese in school and and just loved anime and all that stuff. And and uh, in turn, she loved their food as well. So she had she ate mochi. Now mochi is a Japanese dessert. Um, it's typically made with glutinous rice. There's ice cream in the middle. Um, and the typical recipe of it does not contain any type of allergen other than maybe dairy, um, which she wasn't allergic to, by the way. She had had it before, but she had purchased it this day from a major grocery store. Um, this grocery store had labeled it as vegan and non-dairy. 
and my sister being um, health conscious as she is, uh, decided to purchase it because she was looking at the stuff that she was eating, the stuff that was going into her bodies. Um, so vegan, especially in these days, we associate vegan as healthy, right? This particular grocery chain, we associate it with healthy groceries. Um, what she didn't come to realize was that uh, uh, this particular dessert was made with cashew milk. Um, and typically in, in vegan recipes, when you replace cow's dairy with, uh, with something in a recipe, you typically replace it with a nut milk. Um, Starbucks is a great example of that. You don't want dairy, they give you almond milk, right? Um, so she had bought six pieces. She cut three of them in half um, and shared them with my mom. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I was home visiting at the time. Um, so they just kind of enjoyed and did their thing. So she brought this home mm -hmm. from the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Who was home at the time? Everybody was home. So I was I was living in the West Coast at the time, but I just happened to be home visiting that couple of weeks. So, so I was home. You, mom, My dad. mom was home. Dad was watching TV with his peanuts and beer, as he usually is. <laughs> um, and and yeah, she had come home from work, long day at work, and uh, shared them with my mom. Uh, went. And she had this routine where she would hang out with us for a few minutes and then go get ready for bed because she had to get ready for work the next day. Um, so after she had shared the dessert with my mom, she she had come stumbling down the stairs a few minutes later, maybe 10 tops. Um, and, you know, it, it's vivid in my mind like it happened yesterday. But she was gasping and she, was, she had her epinephrine in her hand, her EpiPen. And... I heard her go, Mom! And at first, I, it didn't compute like what, what was going on because I was watching TV, and then I turned around, and she was kind of just hanging there on the banister. But my mom, being a nurse of 40 years, knew exactly what was happening. And she said, Joanna, what did you eat? Joey, call 911. And as soon as my mom said that, so I knew something was wrong. So I frantically picked up the phone. The second she came into the light, I saw her face and I knew something was wrong. Um, I was on the phone with EMS for maybe about eight minutes, what felt like forever. Um, and during that time, <clears throat> Joanna was just getting worse. So, you know, um, so anaphylaxis will cause your airway to swell. Um, so eventually she stopped breathing. And when you stop breathing, your heart stops. Um, when that happened, my mom started CPR on her. Um, which is really the only thing that you can do at that time. Um, EMS arrived. They took over. Um, but she, we anticipate that she was without oxygen to her brain for about 20 minutes or so, which is even three minutes is way too long, Jasmine. So um, they were able to stabilize her. I, In the back of my mind, I think they defibbed her a couple of times. Um, otherwise, you know, they, they did their best to stabilize her so that they can bring her to emergency. Um, and we were in ICU for about 17 days. Um, on day maybe 14, uh, my mom said, look, we got to start looking at alternatives um, or solutions because she's not getting any better. Um, truth be told, actually, within, the, within two days of being admitted to ICU, the doctors and surgeons had opted to do EEG tests, which test the electrical signals in the brain. Day three, there was no no signs of any life. So she was brain dead from day three. But 
you know, at the time, we kind of hope for things to get better, prayers, and, you know, I, I, I bought $300 in neuroscience books to try to figure out a solution for brain death. Mm -hmm. um, in any case, uh, on day 14, we opted to uh, let her go as opposed to watch her go, yeah. if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but she was healthy when it happened, so her left and right kidney, her liver, and her heart were all donated to save four lives. Thank you for sharing that with us. I know it's not easy. Mm. So I want to go back to the EpiPen. Sure. You said she was holding it. And so do you know if she tried using it? So everything's anticipation, or sorry, uh, assumption is what I meant okay. to say, because we'll, we'll never actually know what happened when she went upstairs. So my assumption is, and I have a really strong feeling about this, um, which I take as her telling me, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, she went upstairs, and by that time, something was wrong. Obviously, the, uh, the anaphylaxis was kicking in, so she went to grab it, um, you know, took it out of its container, pulled off the safety, and administered it herself. Because we, she knew how to use it, although she's never used it before. Um, and what we assume is that because she had eaten so much of it, that one epinephrine pen was not enough. So her body continued to process what it recognizes as a poison. Um, it's like being stung by a bee repeatedly. No type of you know antidote or epinephrine is going to be able to reverse that enough if your body is going to continue to process mm -hmm. it. So what I assume is she administered it. She started to go, okay, maybe it's not so bad. But after a few minutes, it just starts to happen again. Mm -hmm. And because you don't have an, an extra pen, what's the only thing that you can do is call for help. And her last words? Her last words were, it doesn't work. And this is why, this is right before she passed out from suffocation. And what we assume that meant was that A, it either didn't activate at all, which we'll never know because EMS actually took the EpiPen away, which I'm, I'm, I, I'm like, I'm frustrated at it, but I can't control it, right? Yeah. So, um, or B, the other alternative is that she did successfully administer it at the time but it wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. And the latter of that makes more sense scientifically because when you, when you sort of dissect what happens during anaphylaxis and what the epinephrine pen was designed for, I mean, we've been conditioned to think, Jasmine, over the years that EpiPen is an antidote. Like, as soon as you administer it, you're good to go. You can go play basketball, whatever you... That is not the case. And what we're trying to do is educate people to say that this is not a cure. This doesn't reverse the symptoms. Well, I mean, there's a thin line there, right? It's supposed to reverse the symptoms temporarily, but it's not a replacement to emergency care. The first step in dealing with anaphylaxis is actually two steps. Administer the EpiPen and then call 911. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. So what you're telling me is when you say either the EpiPen didn't work, which we'll never know because we'll never we know. don't have it, right. or it wasn't enough. Right. Yeah, it wasn't enough. And you also said something else which resonates with me is that 
we've all been sort of conditioned to think, hey, I mm-hmm. have an allergic reaction. Let me just use the EpiPen. Sure. And that's not actually always the case. Well, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to come across as to say is that EpiPen is not the solution. We always say that you should carry your epinephrine, if not two more, if you can afford it, mm-hmm. right? But to to think of it as the one and only solution is what I'm trying to sort of clear up. It's not the end all be all, right? If you're going through anaphylaxis. Yes, use the EpiPen if you have it, and then call 911. But don't rely on it as your solution. Just because you've administered your EpiPen and your symptoms are starting to go away doesn't mean that you can continue on the rest of your day, mm-hmm. right? In this case, it does. It didn't work for Joanna. Again, we'll never know why. Everything is an assumption right now. And, um, you know, we just want to teach people that there are many different possibilities and you can't determine what the end result is of that is going to be until it actually happens to you but obviously you don't want to wait until it happens to you right yeah and that brings us to the fate initiative tell us about it so fate stands for food allergy training and education and we we knew that something needed to be done my dad kept saying Joey, we need to do something. You know, food allergies can kill, obviously, and and you know, people don't know enough about it. Him and him included. He didn't know what to do. We all kind of didn't really know what to expect from it until it actually happened. And to luckily, us, you at least right? had a nurse in the family who exactly. was experienced. And oh what about gosh. all those people that don't have that resource? Jasmine, I, I talked to the paramedics after they administered uh, after they admitted us to, to the ER, and she came up to me and she said, "You guys are lucky that your mom was a nurse because she's like, I can't tell you how many times we come into allergy calls where their loved ones are just staring at them." not knowing what to do and literally watching them die yeah Yeah. because they don't know what to do Mm -hmm. right um i'm sorry i lost my train of thought what was the question we're talking about the fate initiative yes fate of course yeah (laughs) so fate stands for food allergy training and education and we decided that uh something needed to be done awareness needed uh needed to be increased because unless you live with someone with food allergies you have no idea what you're dealing with right and initially i had i I had started it just to um, just to sort of educate people on the signs to look for, and then it and then it turned into educating people on what to do if it if it were to happen to you, if anaphylaxis were to happen, and I and then and then eventually I said, well, everything that I've done, I used to be a chef. I don't know if I mentioned that, but I used to be a chef. Worked in the restaurant industry in Toronto for close to two decades, and. Uh, being a chef, knowing that uh, uh, the back of house operations are, are, are um, you know, it's a shot in the dark when it comes to food allergies, that there needed to be a food service forum. So now we talk to schools, we talk to people in public care, we talk to restaurants, um, and even individuals, we even do private house calls, right? And what we do is we'll, we present to you um, in our presentation of what happened to my sister, how it pertains to you living with your kid with a food allergy. But even then, if you don't have a food allergy, we think that you need this message more because it's not the food allergy community that I need to speak to. We already know how to take care of ourselves. I say we like I'm allergic to something, but I'm not, right? 
it's the non-food allergy community that needs this messaging because they have no idea what they're dealing with. But, you know, as they say, knowledge is power. The more you know, the more you're going to be prepared. There's that saying that success is when preparation meets opportunity. There's an opportunity to prepare you for success if this life and death situation were to occur. You have made several appearances, as you said, at schools and other yeah. places. Do you feel that your message is resonating with people? I think so. Yeah, 100%. Uh, everybody that we talk to, um, obviously the food allergy community appreciates what we do. And, and I'm so grateful that they, they're very accepting towards us and they support us. But I, I am more proud that people that aren't, again, people that aren't allergic to anything, um, they appreciate the messaging more because they, they come up to me after and they say, I had no idea. I had no idea that it could lead to this. And, and that's the whole point. That is the point of why we do this, is to educate people and to show, and to show you how, how life-threatening it can be. It's not a scare tactic. It's just a reality. Food allergies aren't going anywhere. We don't know what caused them. There's, I could do a four-hour podcast of how I think food allergies yes. started. <laughs> um, but the main goal here is preparation especially if you don't have food allergies, just being aware of what can happen around you, especially with, with kids, because we associate food allergies with kids more. But again, my, my sister wasn't uh, a kid, right? She was 30 years old. She was a full-blown adult. So um, again, awareness is, well, is really what I want to I think awareness is so important right now yeah. because we hear so much more than we used to mm -hmm. about allergies and and people having these types of, of reactions. And it's not just that there's more awareness about it. It is actual fact. There are statistics that show that there are more people and especially more children yep. that are suffering from these allergies. So I have statistics here. Mm -hmm. So the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in the U.S. reports that the prevalence of food allergy in children increased by 50% mm -hmm. between 1997 and 2011. Peanut allergies are particularly dangerous, and between 1997 and 2008, the prevalence of peanut or tree nut allergies have more than tripled in the U.S. in U.S. children. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, people need to understand sure. what to do in these types of situations. So, I think what you're doing is fantastic, and Thank I hope you, you continue. Thank you. Uh, turning to mislabeled or misleading sure. labels. The grocery store that sold the dessert to Joanna had a label on it, had mm -hmm. labeling. Tell us about what type of labeling they had. Sure. I went to the to the, that grocery store the very next day. So she was admitted to ICU. Um, I waited in front of the doors at like 7.59 for them to open at 8 a.m. And I went right up to the display and I took pictures of it. So on this display, it is a self-serve freezer. Kind of looks like an ice cream freezer that you find in the in the uh, like convenience store. Like those bunkers. Store. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, many different flavors. I'm thinking maybe eight different types of flavors. Three of them labeled as vegan. Um, there was a food allergy warning right in the middle that said, "Food allergy alert. Some of our items may contain this, 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 and this." As most packaged food does. Right. Everywhere you look, doesn't matter what type of if you pick up a can of beans, if you pick up, you know, a bag of chips, it's going to say process in a facility or may contain traces of. It's just something that, you know, you, you see constantly. Um, this particular grocery store chain is known for having 
you know, a really good hot food table, prepared food so that you can kind of serve yourself. And each of those different dishes has the ingredients on it, which is great. This particular display wasn't conspicuous enough. They were way off in the corner, not as obvious as any of the other stuff in their in their stores. Um, and then to, you know, to my sister's credit um, or discredit, you know, she, when you go 30 years without going through a serious reaction, at some point you're going to let your guard down, right? So in the, in the case of that food allergy warning, the first ingredient on that vegan flavor is cashew milk. So the may contain sticker, in my opinion, is irrelevant. There should be a massive... Yeah, it does contain. Yeah, exactly. There should be a massive cashew sticker right on that freezer to say contains nuts. And by the way, uh, I think it was this time last year, I went back to Vancouver to kind of pack up all my stuff and come back home. I went to the Vancouver uh, sort of uh, location of this particular grocery store. There's a massive cashew sticker on it. That wasn't there before, by the way. I said, well, that's interesting. Well, I'm, I'm glad that they put the sticker here in Vancouver, but the one back in Toronto didn't have it. So there needs to be some streamlining, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, working in the restaurant industry, working even in food retail, of which I've had experience in as well, I, it, it, it's there's a very, very thin line um, when it comes to what to label and when, because that's not the first thing that these retailers are thinking of, right? They're thinking of how good it's going to look for marketing purposes so that the customer buys. Yeah, profit. Exactly, exactly. Um, And, you know, I don't know, Jasmine, if it's because of this incident that we've been immersed so heavily in the food allergy community now, but we hear week after week after week of some kid, some man, some woman having an allergic reaction or worse, dying from an allergic reaction there's there's a story circulating right now on cnn and all the other news outlets of something that happened in 2017 in the uk where uh, a gentleman on his birthday died from a burger or was it chicken it was chicken that was doused in buttermilk and he was allergic to dairy but the restaurant assured him they said no no, there's no dairy in the recipe Mm -hmm. but the marinade was in buttermilk Right, so food retail restaurants. There's, there's so there's so many holes that need to be filled when it comes to education. I think people just don't realize what can actually occur. Absolutely. As silly as that sounds, I no, think they it's true. just don't realize. And I think that times have changed for whatever reason. Absolutely. I'm not a scientist, yeah. so I don't know what is causing yeah. the food allergy situation. But we definitely have an issue here. For sure. After this tragic incident, I know that you and your family have done a lot of research on the current state of the law Mm -hmm. regarding food labels. Mm -hmm. If you could make a change to the current requirements, what would it be? Streamlining nationwide. Like, no hesitation. Streamlining allergy policies, labeling, and procedures nationwide. If you're, you know, grocery store ABC, you should be the same as grocery store XYZ. Yeah. Right? If, If... and not U- just province to province. We're talking all of Canada. All of Canada and maybe the U.S. too. Why not? Sure. Right? We all consume pretty much the same products. We're, we all uh, import, export from the same sort of companies in general. Right? You know, we 
there, there's cheese whiz in every household. Maybe not mine, but not mine either. <laughs> right, I have right. you know, <laughs> but, but, but you know what I mean, right? Like we yeah. we typically all of us typically have the same sort of products in our refrigerator, so to speak. So we're all using the same products. You let's say U.S. and Canada in general, right? Again, streamlining nationwide. If you go to the U.K., there are laws in place for food labeling in in retail as well as in restaurants where every single al- allergen has to be listed in bold no matter what. And what do we have here? We don't nothing. We have nothing. There's no type of law in place where it says you have to the okay, don't take don't take a fact don't take this for fact from me, but I don't believe there is a law set by Health Canada or any other food regulator where allergens must be listed. I think it's just a formality that companies have to um to to protect themselves mm-hmm. right at least the may contain is definitely um in in place for that purpose um and there there needs to be some sort of mandated where every single allergen has to be listed in bold if anything first not last um especially if it's known like the cashew milk like it it shouldn't have said may contain how about does contain yeah it's it's because what's the first days, ingredient a lot of products just blanket a blanket statement is may contain sure and so i think people are starting to disregard that to some degree and again that's an assumption on my part um, but if you know for a fact that a key ingredient is something sure. that could cause injury or death mm-hmm. it should be stated absolutely let's talk about epipens Sure. So we talked about what happened with Joanna. Um, Health Canada issued an advisory for some faulty EpiPen auto injectors. In fact, Pfizer Canada advised Health Canada that some EpiPen and EpiPen Junior auto injectors may become stuck within their tube. Mm -hmm. When an individual starts suffering from an allergic reaction, is it fair to say that the EpiPen must be injected immediately? Absolutely. No hesitation. It, it has to be, if you have it, get it out of that tube and administer it. A lot of people think that you have to wait until they stop breathing on, or until they start turning blue. The idea of the epinephrine is to get it in as early as possible. So if, if you have knowledge of, here's an example. If I'm allergic to nuts and you offered me cookies, and for the most part, you didn't know that there was cookies baked into the, or sorry, there was nuts baked into the cookies. And and I just took a little nibble of it just to check. If my lips start tingling, I'm going to administer the EpiPen right now before the symptoms start to get worse. Because the idea is you want that stuff to circulate through your system. If you wait until I've stopped breathing, well, if my blood has stopped circulating, then the medication is not going to get circulated either, right? So the idea is early. No hesitation. A lot of people hesitate and they wait because A, they're not sure. B, they think that, oh, what if it's not anaphylaxis? Am I going to hurt them? Or C, I have to buy another one. You would so be surprised. It, well, the EpiPen situation, I've, I've learned um, mm. in preparation for our, our meeting today, mm. I didn't realize because, you know, my kids don't have allergies. I know a lot of their friends Thank in goodness. school do. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I hear a lot about the EpiPen, and I know some kids at school carry it around. Yep. But these things expire. Yes, they do. And you have to check the expiration. So it's uh, research. 
actually, let me rephrase that. There hasn't been enough research on expired EpiPens um, for them to say that this is not good after this date period. Um, it's actually been said that EpiPens, well, it's been found that certain EpiPens have had still up to 90% efficacy after the expiration 17 months after the yeah. expiration date and i have heard too from right. a doctor that i've done through my research that sure. says that even if you only have an expired EpiPen, Keep use it, it. yeah absolutely <laughs> you know yeah. but um you should be checking there's a little window on the side of it where you can see the liquid if it's clear it's fine um if it's foggy then well you might want to take it back to your to your pharmacy right it appears that there is a new device on the way. Have you heard about this product? I, I, I know exactly which one you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so it appears there's a product that has been created by an Israeli-based startup mm -hmm. company, and they're working on a portable device that can detect food allergies, mm -hmm. and they hope to reach mass production in the U.S. by 2022. I actually posted that article when it came out, too. What do you know about this? Um, well, I had to read the article again because it was a couple weeks ago, but I, I do know that... In, in general, there, there are many companies that are working on similar technology where they're looking to detect certain allergens in certain foods. So all you do is put a little bit of a sample in, in this you know, little machine and it tells you it contains this much, it contains that much. Many companies out there that are working on that, I think it's a great thing, but it doesn't change the fact that we have to get to the process before that. Right, which is the training of the people that are preparing foods, the the education and the awareness that major companies need, food labeling. It's great to have that sort of device just in case, but you gotta go right to the beginning of that food chain or that or that or that assembly line, so to speak, right? Because you're you're not gonna wait until something happens before you do something. Right, because mm -hmm. then it's too late. Mm -hmm. You want to get to the beginning of that. So again, it's it's educating, taking the dollar signs out of those CEOs' eyes, and and putting forth you know an actual um, action plan. Where it's like, look, you can sell your products, just do it properly. Right? There's 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 no harm in putting a little bit extra time in training your employees, having them stay an extra hour for them to be educated on you know, on how, how severe this epidemic is. Mm -hmm. It is an epidemic. Yeah. Right? And no, I agree. I think a product like this will be will be great. It will be great to help individuals. I hope that yeah. it does reach mass production, and I hope it does reach the public and that yeah, the expense is not too great. I hope it's, I hope it's accurate. I hope it, it works, and I hope it's something that the food allergy community can, can turn to. Um, but again, education is number one. Yeah. Right? And I, I appreciate you so much taking the time to share your story with us. And I hope that you continue to educate the public because I think there's a lot more work to do. Thank you so much for having me, Jasmine. Thank you. Thank you.